Welcome to the Equipping You in Grace podcast, hosted by Dave Jenkins. The Equipping You in Grace podcast is a podcast about helping Christians develop a biblical worldview in a conversational tone about issues inside and outside the church. Now, for today's episode, let's join our host, Dave Jenkins. Well, welcome back to the Equipping You and Grace podcast. My name is Dave, and I'm the host for this show. And today we're going to talk about today, this month, I should say, is Reformation Month. And what kind of Reformed Christian would I be if we did not talk about the Reformation? Now, all joking aside, okay, we are going to talk today about the Reformation and more seriously, about why we need Reformation. You might wonder, well, what are we going to get into in this episode in light of everything that we've been talking about over the last few months? I think one of the big things that becomes evident is in light of the statistics, in light of where we're at in our moment, uh, we as the church, we need to stand fast for sola scriptura. We need to return to sola scriptura. And we need to be unashamed as we return to scripture alone. Many people today, we've talked about the stats. um, We've talked about the Ligonier state of theology. We've talked about the, the Gallup research. We're going to continue to talk about those things, by the way, on this show. But Scripture alone, the, the time of the Reformation was a time when you had indulgences and you had, you had people peddling a false gospel. You had peep, the Catholic Church placing tradition at the same level as the Word of God. And so the Reformation was a time not of redis- not of, of finding a new understanding of the doctrine of Scripture. And it wasn't a time of coming to understand something new about the gospel. What the Reformation was about was returning to the Word of God and to having a right understanding of the place of tradition in the church. My friends, today the need is the same as in the Reformation. It is. From issues on social justice to the new apostolic reformation and so many more, we are, we are, we have a great, a, and I mean a great need for reformation today in the church. Sola, script, sola scriptura, scripture alone, 
What it means is that we ground our lives, we ground our emotions, we ground our feelings, we ground everything in our lives in what the the scripture teaches. Not just for the right belief, but for a right practice. It, 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 the scripture should affect how we preach, how we teach, how we live, how we work, how we worship. Today, we tend to do the opposite. We tend to segregate one aspect of our lives and say, you know what? That's the one area where God, nope, God, you're not going to. But that's the one area, as with all areas of our lives, it all belongs to God. We belong to God by virtue of him being the creator and, and him being our Lord. We are doubly owned. And so we must return to having a solid understanding of Sola Scriptura. Because what this is going to do is it's going to provide the foundation for our ability to do what Paul says in Ephesians 4.15, which is to speak the truth in love. And by the way, that is a command. And everything that God commands us to do, he enables us to do by the grace of God through the indwelling work of the Holy Spirit. But see, today we have even people on one side who just want to hammer home the truth. One wing of evangelicalism. All about hammering home the truth. But we need to ask, where's the love? Because we're supposed to speak the truth, and we're supposed to do it in love. Jesus, John 1 tells us, was full of grace and truth. In fact, if you look at almost every single list in the New Testament, in Paul's epistles, that tell us how we're to speak almost always almost every single time there is love and by the way i've said it before and i'm gonna i'm gonna sound like a dead record but you know what galatians 5 22 at the very head of the list of the fruit of spirits those things which god by the spirit is producing in us he's doing love and then there's that great chapter of love in the midst of that letter to the Corinthians. Love. Speak the truth in love. You have one wing of, of I, I won't even call it Christianity, because it's not. It's, it's another religion. It's J. Gresham Machen. But you have this arm uh, of false Christianity. We'll just say it that way. And... And they are compromising the truth in the name of love. They are prioritizing love above the truth. Well, the, the only objective standard that we have as Christians is in the word of God. And we have to stand fast on the word of God. And I know some of you just said amen and say it louder. Say amen. Say amen. We have to speak the truth in love. We, we, have, we have nothing else that even compares to the Bible, to the 66 books in the Word of God. But we also need to say, we're, we're not supposed to, as I'm saying, we're not supposed to be overly hard on people in the name of truth. We're supposed to speak the truth in love and to be ready in season and out of season, to always be ready to give an answer for the reason, for the hope that we have, First Peter 3.15, and to do so with what? 
gentleness, which is what? It's a fruit of the Spirit that God, by the Spirit, is producing in our lives. Now, with that said, there's another point that I have to make here today. We need, and I mean we need like we need water, and we need food, and we need sleep. We need men at and women at that level of need uh, that we need our sleep and food and water and so on and so forth we need bold men and women of god who bear the marks of the fruit of the spirit now the the way this is going to happen and we have talked about this so much on this show that for those of you that regularly listen You probably know where I'm going to go with this. If you're new to this show, you might not. But where I'm going to go with this is we got to be in our Bible daily. We need to be reading the Bible. We need to be studying the Bible. We need to be meditating on the Bible. We need to be doing life with God's people. This is, as Psalm 1 says, the our our delight. The Word of God is to be a delight to us. Or as Jesus talks in the Sermon on the Mount, it should be a treasure to us. It is a treasure. It, it can the, the Bible contains the precious promises of God. It's a, it's an anchor to our soul because it it's the only way that we can know about our Savior, about our King, about His person, about His work, about what He expects of us, of what He demands of us. It's the only way that we can know about His imminent return. It's the only way, the scripture is the only way to know God. And if it's the only way to know God, then we can say it's the only way to know ourselves. It's the only way to have uh, the the, the ability to, to see God, to know God, to enjoy God as he has revealed himself. In the word of God. And so then it's the only way that we can be marked out and we can be shaped and we can be formed by not by our theological system, first and foremost, but by the word of God. See, we we need to be Bible first people. And when I when I say that we're Bible first people, I don't mean that that we're not for church history but by being Bible first people, we, our first concern is is to do what the the people did and the Bereans did in Acts seventeen, and that is to is to search the scriptures to see if these things are so, and then to do it. First Thessalonians two thirteen. If that teacher is teaching what is what what is accords with biblical doctrine, then you are to receive it with gladness and joy. First uh, Thessalonians 5.21 commands you to test all things, to hold fast to what is good, to abstain from evil. These are commands. God, by the way, God has not only given us teachers in this present age, as Ephesians 4.11 through 14 tells us, but he has given us teachers in the history of the church to help us. Both and, friends, not either or. And we need both in our day. We, You know what? The, the very fact is, 
and we've talked about this, but I'm going to take it a little bit further than we have talked about it in the past. We are living in a time when the very notion and the very meaning of words is under assault. Our, our culture, people in our culture are understanding that the very fabric of our society because of deconstruction, uh, which, which aimed to, aims to strip away meaning from words. And so, so you can't have dictionaries. You can't have meaning. You can't have any kind of education if, you don't, if words don't have meaning. We can't have, as Jeff Meyer said recently on this podcast, we, we can't even have communication. If words don't have meaning, we can't even talk to each other. We can't have conversation with each other. And what people, as, as we talked about, Jeff and I talked about on that show, we're living in that time where people are basing the reality of their life not on the reality of Jesus but on as revealed in the Bible but on themselves on themselves and so then truth is all about me it's all about my feelings my help if you go look at the top books on that 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 sell every year the evangelical christian publishers association Puts it out every year. Most of those books that are the top sellers, they are all self-help. Most of them are all self-help books. Go be healthy. Go be wealthy. Go be happy. Get your healing. Get this. Get that. Do that. Be this. Friends, what we need is the Bible. As I titled my book, and this is going to be ironic, the word matters. The word really, really, really matters. It matters for your life. It matters for your godliness. It matters for your children. It matters for your great-grandchildren and their children and their great-grandchildren and on and on. It matters for a thousand generations until Jesus Christ comes and returns. The word matters. It matters, and it matters that we are grounded in and shaped and formed by the word, both personally and in the local church. Well, here's something that, that, that in light of what I just talked about, we need to not be afraid of the Holy Spirit as Reformed Christians. Calvin, John Calvin, was known as a theologian of the Holy Spirit. We are living in a time when the Holy Spirit is under attack. You may not know this. We need to not be afraid of the Holy Spirit as John Calvin was a theologian of the Holy Spirit. And yet we're living in a time when even on a show like Family Feud, there was a lady who, who was singing a song to activate the Holy Spirit. At Bethel in Reading, they have prophetic activation of people and their gifts. Whereas as Christians, we believe that at the time of our conversion, the Holy Spirit and dwells us, and he gives good gifts to his people. We don't need to be activated in our gifts. We've already been activated, and activated isn't even the right word. Because, because at the time of our conversion, the Holy Spirit came into our lives. We were indwelt by the Spirit, 
He gave us good gifts. He's already given us gifts, and he's already given us talent and abilities even before our conversion, but he's given us gifts. We don't need to be activated. But we also need to not be afraid of the Holy Spirit. We don't need it. We need to have a good biblical understanding, as we've talked about on this show, about the Holy Spirit. And we're going to keep talking about that because we're living in a time, friends, when the Holy Spirit is under assault. The Bible is definitely under assault it, it, by, by false Christians. I'll just say they're not Christians. They're false Christians. And false teachers propagating a, a very heretical view of the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit's work in our lives. The Holy Spirit is aiming to take the Word of God that we read, that we study, that we meditate, that, that we are aiming to apply that we're hearing preached on Sunday. And what he's aiming to do is to take the word that we hear and that we study, that we meditate, that we're memorizing, that we're applying, and that we're hearing preached word preached on Sunday. And he's aiming to drill the truth deeper and deeper and deeper into our hearts, into our lives, and to point us to Jesus from the word. And then he's aiming to take that word that we hear, that we read, that we study, that we meditate, that we apply, and that we hear preached. He's aiming to take it and to point us to our sufficient Savior, King, Jesus Christ. And this is, this is what the Holy Spirit is aiming to do. And so we have to be so clear in the time in which we are living that we as Reformed Christians, not even just Calvin, we, we need to go back and understand the teaching of, of John Owen, who was aiming to just be faithful to what the Bible said and what the church has taught. And, and as we do this, you know, we, need to, we need to be taught the Holy Spirit is, is aiming to take the truth and to illuminate it to us, to help us, to teach us, so we don't have to be afraid of the Holy Spirit. Friends, we're going to talk about this next subject. It's going to be uh, an episode coming, so I'm going to introduce it to you, that what we'll talk about in, in, in a future episode. But one of the things I've been so concerned about over the last few years is so many Christians are so, they have so much fear of man. And it, it really, it frankly concerns me. As Christians, we are to fear the Lord. You, you just go look at the Proverbs and how many times and how many different ways it says that we're to fear the Lord. Or We need to stop, I mean, we need to stop fearing man so much. We need to fear God. You know, the fear of man, I, I've said before, has slayed its legions. The fear of God, it, it helps us to be bold and courageous. Not, not for ourselves. Not for our own honor. We're, we're about the honor of God. We're about the glory of God. And so we must repent of fearing man so little that, that we never say the truth. We never say the things that, that really matter the most. And friends, we must, we must, we must start fearing man so much 
And that doesn't mean, by the way, that you're unconcerned about your fellow men. It means that you're because you're concerned about them, you say the things that matter the most from God's word. And you say them in love for God's glory because Christ is sufficient. He's sufficient in every way. <sighs> There's so much, so much to say there, but you don't need to fear, man, out of your love for the Lord and your love for fellow image bearers made in the image and likeness of God. Jesus told you to love him, to treasure him, and that such a love would fuel your love for your neighbor. That's what I'm talking about. And if you, the more that you do that, the more that you'll fear God and the more that you'll say the truth in, in love, motivated by love. You see, we need to stop saying, as we've talked about with Gallup, the Gallup poll and the Ligonier state of theology, we must stop saying that we just believe the right things. If we're not going to practice them, we don't believe them. We have to have that conversation today. We have to say that the sufficiency of Scripture is for our life and for our godliness. It is for our faith and it is for our practice. It's our practice. It's our it's our convictions that are our, our theology, our theological convictions that are to impact and to fuel how. We're living out the Christian life. Philippians 4.9 tells us very clearly, after giving a, a very clear directives and, and missives, a, a series of commands, which are known as imperatives, Paul says, practice these things. James 1.22, don't be just a hearer of the word, be a doer of the word. In fact, James qualifies that earlier in chapter James 1. It's because of the implants of word, which in James's mind is the gospel. It's the gospel that we say we believe. It's the gospel we say we treasure. When it's supposed to be worked out, the gospel is supposed to be worked out in our lives. So we need to stop saying we believe the right things when we, we are not practicing them. Our faith, sound theology it leads to sound living before the face of God. We, we, it's not enough to just say, oh, I believe the right things. How are you doing at practicing those things? And, and where, where it shows up is in, in the area of sexual ethics in our day, in the, ethic, in the, in the, in the realm of decision-making. How uh, We need to ask the question that I've said many times that I've got from Jim Neuheiser. Uh, biblical counselor with IBCD and uh, the Association of Biblical Counselors. How much of God's word can you access? How much of God's word can have you taken in and hidden in your heart? As, as Psalm one nineteen eleven says, I've, I've hidden my word in my heart that I might not sin against thee. How much of God's word have you taken into your, into your heart, into your life? And how much of it is transforming your life by the work of the Spirit? We need to stop saying one of the biggest areas of reformation in our day, why we need to return to the to sola scriptura, is we need to stop saying we believe the right things uh, and then we don't practice those things. Our, because our theology 
is to absolutely affect how we live, how we worship, how we minister, how we counsel, how we, how we, if you're a man, if how you're, and you're a husband, how you're doing it and how you'll, how you'll care and love your spouse. If you're a wife, how, how you'll respect your husband. These, these things are not divorced from theology. They are rooted in text after text after text of scripture, and they are to impact and they're to be lived out as a matter of obedience to God, as Jesus says in John 14, 15. One of the biggest areas that we need to stop and we need, we need major, major repentance on in the church today and, and reform around the doctrine of sola scriptura. We need to stop being so pragmatically driven and we need to stop, stop, Focusing so much of our time, so much of our attention on the latest fads, on the latest theological trend. I'm not saying that you don't that you don't understand what it is and those things. I'm, I'm not. But what I'm saying is so many people are so obsessed with the latest theological trend, the latest ministry method, that we miss out on being grounded and shaped by the word of God and by the history of the church. We, we spend far more time maybe watching the video of the latest person than we do in our Bible and, and in studying the history of the church so that when those things come, guess what? You're going to be able to stand on the word of God. You're going to be able to know how to respond to those things. I'm just reminded here of what a what a secret uh, secret service agent does. What they do is they they spend so much time studying the original dollar bills so that they can spot any counterfeit. And we know that all all of us should know that to be true. But as Christians, uh, here's the application: we should know the Bible so well. We we should be known as Bereans. That, that we are holding fast to the scriptures as Paul commanded the Thessalonians and us today who are indwelt by the Spirit. We are, we are so known by this that, guess what? We can spot any fake, any counterfeit, any theological fad that comes. We don't need to even go. We might need to know what it is a little bit and where it came from. And I'm not saying otherwise, but I am saying that our first and foremost thing that we should be studying is the Bible. We should be so shaped and so drenched in Scripture. In fact, here's a good example. Charles Spurgeon once said of John Bunyan that if you cut him, he will bleed. Speaking of Bunyan, he will speak. That the Bunyan was the author of the Pilgrim's Progress, by the way. Uh, that he said of Bunyan, Spurgeon did, that if you cut Bunyan, he will be bleed, but bleed. Now, he's not talking that Bunyan would literally bleed Scripture. He's saying, guess what? Bunyan so knew the God of the Bible that there wasn't a, a, wasn't a part of his life that wasn't impacted, that wasn't shaped, that wasn't grounded in the Word of God. And that is a very convicting example and it is an example that you and I need today in a time when so many people are spending far more time 
on theological fads and traditions and those types of things than they are in the Bible. And it shows up. It shows up in study after study after study after study. We are a biblically ignorant people. And Hosea, it says that the people of God perish for lack of knowledge. When, when Ezra opened the Bible and he preached to them from the Bible, they wept aloud. When we return every period of church history, in redemptive, in redemptive history and in church history, when the Bible was placed at the fore and the center, there was reform, there was renewal, because the word of God was preached clearly, boldly, compassionately. It was spoken with the truth and love. It was expounded uh, as Jesus did uh, on the road to Emmaus, uh, the, where he interpreted all the scripture. Same idea. That's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to teach the whole word of God. By the way, that's the, that's the, that's the idea behind hermeneutics. The art and science of biblical interpretation. We are to be, because we have a right view of the Bible itself, arising from Scripture itself and from the history of the church, we will, we will rightly handle the Word of God. And what that does over and against those who teach error, it says, you know what? These people are rightly handling the Word of God. They're handling it in context. They're helping people to understand not only what the Bible is, but also what texts mean. We're not afraid, and Christians have never been afraid to respond to objections to the Bible. I wrote a whole book, the second half of which responds to things out in our culture, into the, in the church today. I'm working on another book that responds to even more issues that are on the horizon. They're here and we have to have good answers to them. And friends, the good news is we have good answers. You might be listening to this and you might be really, honestly, it's discouraging. I get it. Can I tell you something? As I study these, the, as I read these stats, as I, as I study and as I put together you know, articles and books on these, I'm discouraged with you. In fact, I'll say this. I'm heartbroken. I am heartbroken by what is happening in our day. If you're not heartbroken by the people that are lost, by the people that are being led astray, I, 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 can't, I have to ask, do you love the truth? And the reason is, is that we are to love the truth. And that fuels a real love for people. And so we, we should, that this really matters. It really, really does. This is not theoretical pie-in-the-sky theology. We, we, can, we can have that, we can do that all day long. But you know what? People really matter to God. People are lost. They're dead in their trespasses and sins. They're on a one-way ticket to hell. And we have got to stand up we have got to speak out, and we have got to stand on the word of God. And we got to not be afraid to do so. We got we to stand up, and we got to be counted by our Savior and our Lord. 
And we got to stop being so pragmatically driven and, and focusing so much on the latest theological trends of our day. We have got to stand on the word of God. And that leads me to my last point. And it, and it might be probably those other, those other things, those other points that I said are all really, really important. But this one, this one is so important because it's so foundational. We need reformation around the word of God because the word of God reveals the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. The Reformation was not only a movement that was centered on recovering the, the, the Bible and the, and the central place of it in the life of the church and in the people of God, but it was also a movement that was centered on around reforming the local church and the church, the, the universal, around the Word of God. Because the only way to know the gospel is revealed in the Word of God. All the solas, they are all about reforming the church around the word of God. Because all of them, all of them, every single one of them are all revealed in the word. And all of this is for God's honor and God's praise. So we need reformation around the word and the gospel of Jesus and we need a reformation centered on the life of the local church where God's word is preached and life is done with God's people. We need reformation. I began by saying why this episode is all about why we need reformation today. And you might wonder, well, Dave, what can I do? What you can do is you can get yourself in the Bible. Start with five to ten minutes every day. Start with reading it. Start with studying it. Start with digging it. Start, if, it, if you're having a hard time, start with the book your pastor's preaching through. Start there. Read that book cover to cover. Study it in depth, thoroughly. Come to, come to church ready, prepared. Prepared, prepared to, to pray for somebody. Prepared to encourage somebody. I can't tell you when I come to church, I'm I'm just ready to just come and sit down. And then I remind myself, you know what, Dave, you talk about how you should come to church ready, ready to encourage people. I need that reminder myself. Ready to be used by God. Ready, ready. We, you don't know what that person sitting next to you is going through. They could have something that's even far greater. They, they could have a family member that's dying of cancer and, and worse. And you could be an encouragement to them to lift them up, to help them know that the Lord is near, that He cares for them, that He He longs to, that that He is even now making intercession for them in their in their weakness, in their in their fear, in their doubt, and that He then and encourage them to go to to Jesus, their sympathetic High Priest and intercessor and advocate before the Father. Be ready. Be be ready. How much of God's word can you access? How much of God's word can you use to be an encouragement, to be a blessing for others? You know, Reformation. It it started with one. It started with a series of men, and God used Martin Luther in a powerful way. Luther. 
rediscover the doctrine of justification by faith. He would say that was the main hinge on which the Christian faith stands. We need men like Luther today. We need men like Calvin today. We need men like Charles Spurgeon. We need men and women of conviction, biblically rooted conviction, to stand up and without apology, without fear, we need them to stand and to to declare the truth of God to declare the truth of God's word alone, for God's glory alone, for God's praise alone. We need bold and courageous men and women. We, we do not need to cower in fear today. We need to stand up and we need to be counted. For the honor of God, for the good of society, we need it. If we are going to counter a post-truth culture, we already have we have the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, and it is sharper than any two-edged sword. It pierces, Paul, or the, the writer of Hebrews, in Hebrews 4.12, it pierces into the heart of man. It brings conviction. It brings con- them, it brings conversion. It leads us to repentance. It helps us to grow. This is the Word of God. It tells us of our hope. It tells us of our king. It tells us of his soon return. On Christ the solid rock we stand all else. Right? Is sinking. It's sinking sand. So whether we talk about preaching, whether we talk about teaching, whether we talk about the Christian life, whether we talk about apologetics, whether we talk about worship, All we have is the Word of God. And it is sufficient. It is enough. Because it tells us of a sufficient Savior King. So yes, on Christ the solid rock, I'll stand all else is sinking stand. Will you, dear Christian, will you stand on the Word of God? We need reformation today. It doesn't start with that person over there sitting next to you. It doesn't start with the other person on the internet. It starts with you. It starts with me. Getting in our Bibles daily, delighting in the God who has revealed himself in the Word of God. And, by the way, that's the only way to know God, as he has revealed himself in Scripture. Well, I want to thank you for listening or watching this episode of the Equipping You in Grace podcast. We have lots of great episodes coming. I'm really excited about the guests, the topics, the things that we're going to talk about moving forward. And uh, I pray that it's helpful. Friends, please consider sharing these episodes with your friends. Consider telling others that you know. Uh, that's how we keep growing. And I and I am so thankful we're going to talk about that in December I'm so amazed. Uh, I can't wait to share with you how the Lord has been at work this year. Uh, there's there's so many different things. There's so many things to be encouraged by. You know what? As we wrap up, let me just say this. Christ is still the head of the church. His word is still true. He is still bringing conviction. He is at work. He is alive and well. And the church is still beautiful. Because we serve a glorious, majestic, 
Savior. And whenever I talk about that, I <laughs> my mouth drops. There, the, my words fail me. Christ is beautiful. Christ is glorious. Let that reality that Christ is still building His church. Let that let that hit you afresh. And may you never lose your wonder for Christ. And may you never lose your love for God's word. And may you stand on it and for it, for the honor of God and the good of our society. I want to thank you for listening to this episode of Equipping in Grace. Until next Monday and Wednesday, may God bless you and keep you. Thank you for listening to the Equipping You and Grace podcast. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe, rate us on the app, and share this with your friends and family on social media. If you want to find us on social media, you can find us on Twitter at Servants of Grace, on Instagram at Servants of Grace, or by searching at Servants of Grace on Facebook. You can also find this episode and many others like it on the front page of our website, servantsofgrace.org.